And we've had a lot already today. So I'll say the famous last words, I won't be long. But you know that every time a preacher says that, he's actually lying, all right? But um, it's good to see you this morning. Um, Good to have fellowship as men. I appreciated that last session as well. Just um, a lot of of good things to just ponder there and, and pray for and thinking about the just the implications that will come out of that. But then just a great session this morning with, uh, with Pastor Mansour, great challenge about our nation, and I'm burdened. Hope you are, as men, you know, as, as Aussies, we're, this is our nation. We, we ought to have that heart to want to win our, our nation to the Lord, and um, it ought to bother us that, you know, just recently in the census, less than 50% uh, for the first time tick the Christianity box. And we know that's a loose meaning, right? So you're thinking the numbers are even less than that and we could sort of feel sorry for ourselves or, or we could, as, uh, as we were challenged just lastly in that session, um, we could ask for it again and we could just keep going and we could hope and we could seek the Lord more. And I think that it is an opportunity for us as, as believers to just make something of the time that God has given us. And I hope that that is our mindset. And, um, you know, honestly, scheduling conference, I'd, I initially scheduled myself out. And I didn't really want to, I wanted to sit and soak like you all are. But uh, the Lord had other ideas about that. And um, do be praying for, for Pastor Shemish. Glad that he was able to join us last night and, and preach a t- tremendous message. And I'll echo what, um, what Brother Skelly said, only Pastor Shemish can make a theology out of dung, all right? But that, is, uh, that was a tremendous message. It really helped my wife and I in, in, in many ways. And, you know, when we, we gather together like this, we understand none of us are perfect. We all have some dung that we've got to just sort through. But we understand that God allows that and, um, you know, just thinking about that, that parable there in Luke chapter 13 again this morning and how many times I've, I've gone through that and just missed the dung, you know, but I'm um, glad that we can be here and again, thank you for, for coming. First Samuel chapter 16, men, this, um, this morning and uh, I'm going to read a couple of verses here, verse 1, then skip down to verse 6 to 13. And if I can encourage you about tomorrow, for those of you, particularly pastors, I would love to show you the, the, uh, the printing ministry, if we can be a blessing to you. Um, that'll be a, a, during the morning tea time. I think that's, that's what we're planning for tomorrow. And again, we've got some things prepared for you over there. Um, verse 1, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul? Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel, fill thine horn with oil and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. So this this command by God to prophet Samuel was simply to go and anoint um, a king that was to follow Saul. And so he does that. He goes to to the, the town there of Bethlehem and uh, they're fearful. He was a, a powerful man of God. And in fact, the Bible tells us that with Samuel, God didn't let any of his words fall to the ground. 
And whatever Samuel said, it happened. And, and here he was coming into a town, and no doubt they were shaking in their, uh, in their sandals there a little bit and just thinking, what is he going to say? What, what is happening here? But he goes to the household of Jesse, and notice verse 6, And it came to pass, when they were come, that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. And then Jesse made Shammah to pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. And again Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel, and Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And he's probably beginning to scratch his head. God had told him it was going to be from the household of Jesse, that among, some, among his sons that there was going to be the next king. And Samuel said unto Jesse, he finally had to ask, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for he will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him. Now he was ruddy and without, with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. He was a good-looking bloke. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Interesting story here as we consider the, the history of the nation. and we, we see that really Samuel was sent there seeking something. He was sent to seek for the future of the nation. He was there seeking for what was next in God's agenda. And, and make no doubt about it, all of us here, God does have an agenda for us. God has a what's next, and I found that out quite literally last year when they're settled in Sydney, very settled, loved the church and still do, and, and had a great heart for the future of the church that uh, all of a sudden God said, no, you're not going to stay in Sydney in the church that God, that, that I raised you in, that I, I, that I allowed you to be trained in, allowed you to be the place where you've, you met your wife and all of that. No, I don't want you in the city that you grew up in. I'm going to send you to another city further north, city in Brisbane. And, and I didn't know what was next, but I was seeking for what was next, and it surprised me. And, you know, I was thinking about that. How often do we, do we miss out on what God has for us next? And, man, you ought to be thinking about that. I hope we're not just in this, this settled mindset in, in our lives where we're just sort of, well, there's nothing else. Well, the, this is all that, that is to be. And, you know, you, you might just, just fall into a bit of a rut and you're just there. And before long, rather than seeking God and looking forward to what's next, you're just sort of just existing. I don't think God designed us that way. You know, God did call us to a race that has, a race by nature has steps forward to take. It has a finish line. It has a, something to aim for. And, and I hope that we as men, as we consider the need of the nation and consider some of the things that we've been, we've been taught already, that we're considering what does, what, what does God want us to do? And, and really that's the situation that, that, uh, that 
Samuel found himself in. Samuel found himself now looking forward, but then in, in, in a very, very real sense, he was also mourning for something that had just passed. And you know what happens at times when we're looking forward to what is next, the thing that so often will hinder us and might even cause us to miss out on what God would have for us is at times the, the hold of the past over us. And, I, and let me show you that here in, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Again, look at verse 1. The Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul? God had already moved on from, from Saul. God had already made it clear, and he says it again here in verse 1, I've rejected him. And yet there was still a bit of a pining in Samuel's heart for what was. And I think it's, it's, it's natural for us as, as people to sort of look at the past with a bit of a rose-colored tint or view. You know, I, I liked what, what the, the spirit of, of what Pastor Mansour said and the truth of that. And we can look at how Australia was for, for many years. We can look at all of those times and we can, we can in a very real sense and in a good sense pine for that to be again. But sometimes, sometimes we miss out on what is current and present because all we're thinking about is how it used to be, how it was. Oh, well, when, when back in the day and back in, you know, I, I caught myself the other day talking to my kids and I just turned 40 and I caught myself saying, back in my day, and you know, suddenly I aged 40 other years, and you know, I always thought, man, my dad's old whenever he said that, but now I'm saying it, so, but you, you do, even in the, the, my lifespan, I've seen a lot of changes happen, I've seen, I've seen Australia change, I've seen churches change, I've seen different, different times where we thought it will always be this way, and it's changed. And, and the danger in that is that we romanticize or we, we, over, uh, we over, uh, over credit and over, um, overindulge ourselves in how the past was, and we might be missing out on what God is actually trying to do now and what God is trying to actually do to make us go forward in His plan and in His agenda. And, and that's what happened because... Samuel approached his time with, with a bit of the weight of yesterday and a bit of the, the vantage point and a bit of the tint of Saul. And he began to see things and to see what was ahead of him in that, in that skew, in that perspective. And, and it, it could have been, if he wasn't careful, that he, he, he may have missed out on what God had next. And so I want to teach you a little bit about that because I think it's in, in all of us, if we don't notice it, sometimes we do. We, we get too grounded in what was and we forget that God still has something ahead. God still does have something ahead. And all of us here, if we're, if we're careful to seek it, God does have a future for us. It's not just to be where it is now. God could move us along and move us forward if we would just allow him. And, and yet, sometimes the thing that grounds us and the thing that sort of keeps us beyond going forward is sometimes this, just this idea that 
only all those things that good happened happened in the past. And so I want you to know firstly this morning that mourning for the past can make us miss what's present. Because God was trying to get Samuel's attention here. He wasn't actually uh, he wasn't actually telling Samuel you shouldn't mourn. He wasn't actually telling Samuel there that it's wrong for you to mourn. The question that God asked was, "How long will you mourn?" You know, I, I, thinking about what what Pastor Shemish said again last evening. You know, sometimes we mourn over the deaths in our in our lives of things, the carcasses in our lives, and. We mourn over the fact that there's this, 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 this tainted thing that has happened that has affected us. And sometimes we can allow that to then, then define and then direct and then also derail what God actually has in front of us now. We can start to then look at that and, and, and without, without us even knowing it or even being observant of it, it can... It can Cause us to miss what's present. And, and God's challenge to his prophet Samuel was, was this, how long will you mourn? How long are you going to mourn for Saul? I've already rejected him. We understand Saul was chosen to be the first king of Israel. He, he was chosen by God after, if I can remind you, some initial actual resistance from Samuel. God orchestrated a chain of events starting with a donkey gone loose, right, to lead Saul to Samuel and then his anointing. And then Saul was endued with the Spirit of God. He, no, we know the story. He later disobeyed God by, by taking of the spoils of a conquest that caused God to rule him out of the monarchy. And in, in, in verse 17 of, of 1 Samuel 15, Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, Wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? He was reminding Saul, even in that, just a previous chapter, you know, you've done this, and God chose you. And yet, what we find is, even though Samuel, who initially was resistant, had grown a fondness to what was his new reality in Saul. He had grown fond of Saul, and in fact, in, if you look at chapter 15, look at verses 34 to 35, and then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house to Gibeah of Saul, and Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. He kept mourning for him. You know, it, it, it came from an initial resistance to now actually being fond of this, this one that, that God had allowed him to anoint and God had allowed him to see some, some things happen. And, and it, was, it was actually Saul's humility. It was actually Saul who, when later we'll see how, him how he's described, he's head and shoulders above everyone in the kingdom. And it was actually Saul's humility that caused God to choose him. He was hiding amongst the stuff. He was so hesitant, even though he just seemed to be the right one and and yet the sad ending to that was Saul was disobedient. And Saul was no longer God's anointed. And Saul was to hand over the kingship over to his neighbor down the road, the little one, the youngest, David. And what seemed to like a lasting success for Samuel 
actually ended in failure and had been moved, moved on by God. And yet his affection for him was getting in the way of him moving on to what God had currently and presently ordained there was to be another king. And I want to say that sometimes our affection of things of the past can, can make us miss what God is presenting for us now. We can look at a time period perhaps in, in, our, in our nation and we could get stuck on I wish that was and, and, and yet miss the, miss the present of what can be for God and, and miss what God is trying to do now. And, and I want to remind you firstly that just, just remember that the past was once the present and it took some moving on before. Your, your previous present wasn't always the case. It, God had to move you there too. And it took some time. And the fact of the matter was, even in, though Samuel initially resisted this change, and I'm saying here, actually, even in the change from the theocracy that God had initially designed, that God, God was, was working then, and Samuel had to even, in regard to Saul, make peace about that as well. Go back to 1 Samuel chapter 8. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 8, and we see Israel, they, they're demanding a king. They, they see the, 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 the lack of, of character that Samuel's sons, who were meant to take his office, they, they were seeing the, the, the lack of character that they were showing they were fearful of how his sons had, didn't walk in his own way, in, in Samuel's way. And they see, saw the other nations being led by, um, by, by other kings. And so they said, we want that. But notice, notice verses 5 and 6. It says, And said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. And notice Samuel's response, But the thing displeased Samuel, when they said, give us a king to judge. But the good thing was, Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And then the Lord said unto Samuel, hearken unto the voice of the people. You know, surprise, surprise to Samuel. God said, hearken to their voice. God was changing tact here. And what happened was, initially, Samuel was resistant and then eventually, he became affectionate to the thing that God had given him. And that's how it is oftentimes in our lives. Sometimes we resist the change that God wants. Sometimes we get to a stage and we're like, we don't want that. We want what we had planned. We want what is ideal in our own mind. And then suddenly God changes tack. And if we're not sensitive and surrendered to the Spirit of God, we can actually even miss the thing that God has for us. And he was initially resistant, but you know what? Samuel got convinced eventually. And, and, and our affection of the past can rob us from moving on to God's present plan. See, the problem with Samuel was he was still mourning, and he wasn't getting on with it. He just needed to get on with it. Sometimes what causes us to miss out is our affection for the past. I think about those who are in captivity who... Uh, as was mentioned there in Ezra's time, only a, a handful wanted to go back and actually do anything to rebuild the temple. And when they finally rebuilt it, some, some were mourning over the, that temple versus the temple that Solomon built. And, and God had to rebuke them saying, why are you crying? Why are you mourning? 
I've just done something. Can't you see it? And they were still mourning about Solomon's temple. They were still looking at that as, as, as the, the standard of things. And yet God had moved on. God was pressing on. And, and uh, perhaps a past circumstance seemed more favorable and you, you, you're currently seeing maybe a lackluster result and you're wondering, well, hey, listen, there's, there's just in us sometimes a, a mourning for the past that wasn't actually the reality. Because when you think about it, Saul wasn't that great. Saul actually let God down. Saul actually, he, he, he made something of himself that shouldn't have been. And it was the same for the nation of Israel. You think about that, the nation of Israel became slaves. They finally, God sent them a rescuer in, in the form of Moses. Moses goes through, he eventually gets, the, gets God's way and, and the nation of Israel finally leaves Egypt. And then the, the nation there, the, that generation they saw all of what was happening in the wilderness. And you know what they did? Suddenly they started pining for the past. Suddenly they started going, oh, remember the onions and the leeks and the garlic and oh. Remember when that was. You were slaves. <laughs> you had no freedom. But you know, again, sometimes the past when we're, it's ingrained in us. It's got our affection. And it's hard to move forward in that. And they missed the blessing, that the, the people of Israel, they missed the blessing of the fact that they were journeying to the promised land. And it was no longer God's plan. It was no longer the, the place or the person of blessing. Yet Samuel mourned for Saul and it robbed him of the current joy in God's plan. And you know, our living in the past can be a hindrance to our present opportunities. And the problem of mourning for the past is that, that, that time waits for no man. Time will still tick by, even as we long for what was. Ecclesiastes 3.1, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. God, God made it to be where there's the, the seasons and the days and the years, and it's amazing, isn't it? It's 2022. It's amazing to me that I'm 40 and, you know, I, it's amazing to me that I look and I have a, a nearly a teenager and I look at all of that and, and time has flown by so quickly. And I can, I can pine over what was. And I'm saying the past had its turn. Today is a brand new day. And we can learn from the past. We can even celebrate it if it's worthy we can make it a thing of thanksgiving, but I'm saying we can't live in it, though. And we can't think that yesterday's living was so much better when we have the living to do today. And so, sometimes when we're, we're anchored or mourning for the past, it can make us miss what's present. And, and God had to get Samuel's attention about that. How long will you, wilt thou mourn for Saul? So he then tells him, go. I will send thee to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. But notice, again, this was so ingrained in Samuel's psyche that he goes and he sees the first son in verse 6. We read it. His name is Eliab. And he, he looks on Eliab, the Bible says. And he sees some striking similarities. 
He, he looked at Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. And, and evidently, Samuel was looking at Eliab, who was comparable in appearance and stature to Saul. He says there, he reminds him, man looks on the outward appearance. Evidently, Saul, uh, Samuel was looking at Eliab just from a physical sense. Now, I, I, I alluded to the fact that uh, we see that, uh, that, that actually Saul was head and shoulders above all of the other, the rest of the nation. He was a tall man. Now, if you were picking up a, a team for basketball, right, you'd want, you'd want him. You'd want, like, he's probably as tall as Riva over there, right? Or he's probably tall as, uh, as Alex over there. We, you, you, they, you, you want the tall guys, right? And it just seemed to be that was the, the type that, that Saul, uh, that Samuel looked to, and he was still anchored on what was. And, and Samuel's assessment, actually, of his present, present choices was based on what he was holding onto from the past. And here's what I'm saying. Sometimes the problem is we assess the present. Assessing the present through the lens of the past can easily mislead us. Because what happened? He looked at Eliab, who was the tallest. He was the one with the broad shoulders like Saul. He was the one that fit the bill like Yui would probably draw up a king. And he fit that bill. It seemed to be that it just was, he was to be God's choice. And God had to tell him, notice in verse 7, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature. Because I have refused him, for the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. You know, he, he, was, he was comparing his present choices with the lens of yesterday's victories. With the lens of yesterday's experiences. And, and you know, we, sometimes we, we think, you know, for we men, we, we think we, we never age, do we? And, uh, you know, recently we've moved here. I've, my son has gotten into basketball. Okay, we, he was into cricket. I love that. I, he got into basketball. I love that even more. Those are my two, two loves growing up, right, those two sports. And so he's picked up basketball, and he, so he's always out there. So, you know, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dust off my basketball shoes, and I'm going to dominate like I used to, all right? <laughs> and I started playing on Friday nights, and, and, and Danny was there one night. We were playing. We had a the parents versus teenagers kind of thing, and, and I'm pretty sure we won. That's how I remember it anyway. But I remember just going out there and trying to play like I used to, right? Trying to play and trying to, you know, trying to do the same, same kind of moves, trying to try, try to the quick crossover and then reverse layup that was airballed actually. But the next day, I was in the hurt locker. Oh, man, my knee had blown up. Um, I, my shoulder was just, I couldn't, I couldn't lift up my, my right arm to brush my teeth, so I had to use my left arm, my weak arm, so, you know, my breath really stunk that day. But it was just, you, you, sometimes you, you assess what is presently before you with the lens of yesterday. And you think you can because of what you've previously seen. And his past experience actually became his main driver in his decision-making. And I'm not saying today that experience has no place. Obviously, experience is a great teacher. 
But experience on its own is not enough. Experience has to be paired with God's leading and our sensitivity to Him in the moment. And we've got to remain with that thought. And Samuel was looking for something similar, something familiar. Samuel's perspective of the past was was a detriment to seeing his present prospects because, again, he was looking at the height of that person. He was looking at the similarities and the familiarities and he was looking for something that comforted him. And why? Because really, Saul was the same. Right? They, in, in chapter 10, verse 23, they ran and fetched him thence. And when he stood among the people, he was higher than any of the people from his shoulders and upward. So he was, he was looking at Saul. He was thinking of Saul when he saw Eliab. He, he was looking at him going, no, that's, that's him. That's him for sure. And what I'm saying is we can't always use the past as a barometer for what is in front of us. You know, I think about Joshua when he came into the promised land and, you know, they had that, that city that they needed to conquer as they crossed and it was a city of Jericho. It was a huge city. It was well fortified and yet God did a miraculous victory there. And you know what happened? Because of that, they looked at Ai, which was the next city, and they thought, this is easy. And they went ahead and, and you know what happened. Huge defeat. Why? Because there was sin in the camp. He wasn't being sensitive to the Lord. He didn't ask for the Lord's counsel. Later on, we see they eventually, God tells them, no, now's the time you can have victory. So they go, they fight that. And you know, you think Joshua would learn his lesson. But these men from Gibeon, they come. They pretend that they had age-old bread and worn clothes and everything else. And they said, look, you know, we're from, from a far country and all of this. And they made a story. And what did Joshua do? He took victuals, it says in Joshua 9.14. And very pointedly, the Bible records for us, ask not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. What happened? They got stuck with Gibeon. And they didn't learn. They got stuck with past victories and they got to viewing every circumstance with that lens. And what happened was they weren't able to to assess their present conditions accurately because they were too stuck on their previous victories. They were too stuck on their previous experiences. And, And it's human nature to compare our present choices with our past experiences. But I want to tell you, success often inflates that, doesn't it? And I'll tell you that failure even can skew our view. And, and I, I, you know, one of the foods I really don't like, and you'll never see me eating it, and I'm sorry because I know whether in the land of the banana benders, but I don't eat bananas, all right? I just don't like it. You know why? Because when I was six years old, my mom gave me a bad banana. It was rotten, it was mushy, and I've never liked it since. But I'll tell you what, I've probably missed out on all of the nutrients from, from that fruit over the years. And my wife will tell you, you should have, will tell me, you should have eaten bananas, all right? But you know what, what's happened is I've assessed every banana with the skew of that failure. And I haven't assessed that present thing accurately. I've missed out. I've missed the point. I've missed those good things that could have been 
if I just had a clear view of that. And we've got to be careful because the Bible tells us there are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. And in our moments, it ought not to just be our past that drives how we, uh, we, we assess our present opportunities. It ought to be the leading of the Spirit of God. Ought to listen, we ought to listen to God's counsel and His Word. And, and the only thing that's timeless and sure are the things written in the Word of God. You know, it's not something we can see. Uh, it's not something that we can just see with, with a clear view at times. We've got to, you've got to put the lens of Scripture. And, you know, even those in Jesus' day, they missed out because they assessed what was in front of them with what they saw from the past. If you've ever read through Matthew chapter 13, as he goes back, as Jesus goes back to his hometown, right? He, the Bible says in verse 58, he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. But if you read why, it was because they reasoned out. Hey, isn't, didn't he grow up with us? Isn't this a carpenter's son? Aren't his sisters and his, 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 his siblings, his brothers, aren't they this and that and they named them? And you know what? They just saw Jesus as the boy that grew up there rather than seeing Jesus as the Savior and the God of all. And he was right there ready to do mighty works. But they missed it because they, they assessed it with the lens of the past. And we can't, we can't allow past hurts. We can't allow past successes and we can't just allow past experiences to decide for us God's voice today. You know, sometimes we get stuck on the past and we miss out on what is given for us presently. Why? Just because it's a little different. And yet what we need to, to do as we think about what Samuel did, he went through the list of brothers there. Finally, all of the brothers that were there, he, God said, no, not this one. And then notice verse 11, go back to 1 Samuel 16. Notice what he says, Samuel said unto Jesse, are here all thy children. And what I'm saying is, if we're going to ensure that we're not, we're not grounded on and grounded by the past, we need to investigate the present possibilities. And, and that's why I, I liked what, what Pastor Manso said this morning. It wasn't just a looking back at the past of what was. It was looking at the now and saying, it can be again. Because it was very clear, it was very clear to Samuel, it was, God gave it very clear that amongst the sons of Jesse will be the next thing, will be the next king. And it was very clear. And so even though those that were, it seemed to be, weren't it, at least Samuel had enough faith to say, are all thy children here? Is there any other possibility? Is there anything else? And you know what? When we investigate the present possibilities, you know what will, that will do? It will lead us to the future. It will lead us to the next step. And Samuel, having been reminded by God not to mope about the past, was now determined to see out God's instruction. He went looking, and even when no one thought it was, it was any potential, he said, are, there all, are, are here all thy children? And Samuel said to Jesse, send and fetch him. 
said, he said, no, I have another one. He's the, the runt of the group. He's the little one. Any, any youngest here? Anyone? Yeah, you, you felt that probably at some point. I was the eldest, so I had all the power, right? But, but you know, the, the youngest, sometimes they get all of the, they get all of the hand-me-downs, right? It's been clothes repaired for the upteenth time, and suddenly you're wearing it, and it's still too long, right? And sometimes being the youngest means that, and, and no doubt he was the youngest, and so therefore he was the one looking after the, the sheep. He, was the, he had the job no one else wanted. He had that, and yet it was him. And sometimes we miss out on what God is doing because we don't have a great belief in our current situation. We don't have a great belief that God can. We don't have a great belief that even though it just seems to be that it was all in the past, that God is still in our present. Do you believe that, man? Is God still here with us? Is He still in your heart? Is, is He still as powerful? Is he, are His commands, are His promises still as true today than they were yesterday? Of course they are. And it was for, for Samuel as he looked, he said, send and fetch him. And what we find is often the future is in the midst of our present. You know, David was actually there. God just had to point him out. You know, some of you men, maybe you're, you're getting on in years and you're saying, Lord, who's, who's going to follow me? And I, I understand that. You know, even as I was pastoring in Sydney, I always thought in my heart, who's following after me? I don't know what God ever had in my future. I just knew that I was supposed to do what I was supposed to do. God has every right to actually take my life. God has every right to render me incapacitated to do what I'm supposed to do. God has every right. I don't know. The Bible tells us, right? Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Hey, that's not just a good soul winning verse. It's a good for you. <laughs> and what not to boast? And, and I didn't know, but I always had this mindset, and you ask some of our, our guys here from South, and they come visit, and I'm glad for that. I always told them there's no success without a successor. I, I hear your heart. We look around, and we've often conversed about this, how in our nation, there's many, uh, many of our, our, our pastors who are seasoned in the ministry. Thank God for that. You're still kicking on and keep... Your, but you, I know your desire. I know your desire is someone to follow after you in the, the work of the ministry. I know your heart where you've planted and you've labored and you've seen God work, and now you're looking, looking back and you're going, well, who's behind me? Who's going to take this on? I hear your heart, because that's my heart too. But, you know, sometimes we're looking a ways in the horizon when maybe your future is just in the midst of your present. Maybe they're just right there. You just, God hasn't pointed them out yet. Maybe God hasn't even brought them along. Maybe you just need to go, is there any more? God, do you have any more sons? God, can, okay, well, can you send and fetch him? Because I'm getting old. <laughs> and I need someone behind me. And it might be that you just have a belief that God can actually raise someone up in your midst, in your present. I love the story, Pastor, Pastor Shemish tells this, and I hope he doesn't mind me saying it, but he had a missionary from the Philippines come and visit him over there in Thailand. And, um, and you know, our, our Filipino brethren are very positive, if you know them. And uh, he came over there, and he saw the work that God was doing in Pastor Shemish's life in Thailand, and he saw the men, and he came up to 
came up to Pastor Shemish and he said, Pastor Shemish, your, lead, your future leaders. And you know, he was buoyed by the fact that he had men. And then Pastor Shemish looked at him and he said, yes, and my present problems. <laughs> you know, sometimes there's a diamond in the rough. Sometimes there's just someone there. Maybe it's that ruddy little boy that is really annoying right now. Just really annoying. He asks you random questions. You, you just, he steals your lollies. He keeps knocking on your door. He, he, he can't even, his clothes don't match. It just seems to be he's just annoying. He's the youngest and he's annoying. You know who I'm describing? I'm describing me. <laughs> At one point in my church where I was brought up, I was the youngest in the youth group. And I was a really annoying kid. I was very obnoxious. You know, I was the kid that, you know, if there was something to destroy, that was me. And, and yet I had a pastor who just saw past that. I had a pastor who still loved me and who still just kept going. And then when I surrendered to the ministry, God pointed me out to him. He said, no, no, I'd, I'd like you to stay because God has something for you here. And I wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be over there if he didn't believe that his, the future was in the midst of his present. And so what I'm saying is stay patient, men. It may not be that God has pointed him out to you yet. It may not be that you, you see it as obvious and, and, and God has to remind you, no, man looks on the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. Because at the end of the day, what set, aside, set apart David wasn't because he was the tallest, wasn't because he fit what was in the past, no, because actually he was a man after God's own heart. Because God was preparing what was next, even while Samuel was pining for the past. And it might just be that, that our future is in the midst of our present. And how do we do that? We need to recognize potential is the start of the work. You just look for potential. You look for any sign. You know, the, the world has a, does a good job of of talent identification. They do. They offer scholarships. They, they offer 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds, silly contracts. Why? Because they see something in that athlete. You know what we do sometimes? We look at, we look at those that God brings to us and we just wish they were something else. And then we wonder where the laborers are. Then we wonder why God won't raise them up. But you know what's inside of our heads? What it used to be. When maybe your future is right there. You just got to recognize potential. You got to believe that God can. And we got to understand that potential is a present problem but actually it can be a future blessing. Uh, we know a seed is planted and does work, 
needs watering and nurturing. It, it appears to be a present problem. It's a chore, and it is. But then you realize when it starts to bring forth fruit that it'll bring nourishment later on. And if we take advantage of every opportunity, if we have the attitude that we'll take every shot and exhaust all areas of potential, then what we're going to see is a reward for our labor. But then at the end of it, we need to realize, lastly, that our future is dependent on our present response. You know, the past is gone. You can't, res- you can't respond differently. But you can respond differently today. And, and right there, Samuel takes a horn of oil and he anoints him in the midst of his brethren. And you know what? At the end of the day, Samuel accepted God's moving. And he responded well. Someone said this, accept what is, let go of what was, believe in what will be. And I wonder how many people miss out on what great plans God has for them because they simply wouldn't respond in the present. You know, Samuel himself, when God spoke to him, Samuel, Samuel, here am I. Samuel, Samuel, here am I. Samuel, Samuel, here am I. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And Samuel, even from a young age, he just responded, responded in the present. And men, listen, stop waiting for tomorrow. Stop looking at what you did in the past. You only have today. So how will you respond? How will you respond when God presents a choice? How will you respond when God presents you what can be? How will you respond when when God says, no, 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 not that one. That one. That one? (laughs) Yes, that one. And a, a surrender of our past at the altar of God's directive, it'll lead us to God's future plans. Because at the end of the day, Samuel had to lay down some things of his own so that God can then direct him correctly. See, a present obedience to God's directive will ensure a future that leads us to the right path. And, and that's, that's what happened here in the life of the nation. Thankfully for them, Samuel responded correctly. And we heard it already, David's kingdom, that was the greatest, that, that was the zenith of their history. Now one better than David will come, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll be of that seed too. And we understand, we understand that. But here earthly, the zenith of their, their nation's history was David's kingdom. But you know what? Samuel had to overcome his past experiences. Samuel had to overcome his past bias. Samuel had to overcome assessing everything from the lens of yesterday so that the nation can get to its future. And men, we've got to do the same. I think we ought to look at what was for our nation, but not stay there, though. We ought to look at what can be, because you know what? As I look around, as I travel around, God's still bringing men to church. Now, some of them look funny. Some of them look challenging. Some of them look really young. Some of them may even irritate you, but it might be them. 
And God might be saying, you know, uh, I don't, those, not those ones. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. Now, now get over that so you can see this. And so I want to encourage you, men, as we head into the afternoon. Why don't we just, why don't you seek the Lord? I know that there was a call this morning to just pray for, pray for the nation, but why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? Right there in your seats, why don't we pray for our nation? Why don't we pray for us that if there's anything that, that the past has, has a hold on us, that we just let that be and then allow God to, to help us see with a clear lens as we head into what God has for us in the future, but we've got to respond with how it is in the present. All right, so why don't we just have some silence all over the room. If you want to use the altar, you can go ahead, but why don't we pray? Pray for our nation. Pray for your church. Pray, pray that God will, will unearth in your church some, some diamonds in the rough, some Davids who has been put away in the pasture and just out there, and it could just be them. Why don't, you, why don't we pray for some of our, our pastor friends who, you know, their desire in their heart is that God will bring them someone to take on the mantle. And Why don't we pray that God will just help them see clearly what is ahead? And why don't we seek God for our nation today? Why don't we seek him for reviving? Hey, just because it was, that doesn't mean it can be. What we have is what we have. But what God has for us, that can be as well. And so let's continue in just in a spirit of prayer.